Lord, we thank you today, as your word says. Your name to us is like a strong tower. As your people, we run into that strong tower. We find great strength, safety, and security in the tower of your name. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that we can come together with joy in our hearts as we lift our voices to you. Thank you and honor you and praise you for who you are. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for reaching in. Remember that moment where you reached into our lives. You rescued us. You saved us. You delivered us. You made us brand new. New creatures in Christ Jesus forever. We thank you for this wonderful, glorious life that's inside us. We lift up your name together in this place, Lord Jesus, as your people. Thank you. Praise you. We glorify you and seek to glorify you with our bodies, with our minds, with our mouths, everything we are. We want our complete being. It's in you. We live in you. We move in you. Our whole life expression is in you, Jesus. And we thank you. We thank you. We truly do for that. That's it. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your comfort, for your strength and enablement. Amen. All God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. In this place, we worship you and praise you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, risen from the dead. We praise you. We are yours. We are your people. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Let's thank our musicians and singers. What a blessing. Really, what a blessing. And what a great day this is for us to be back together in one service. Wonderful just to come out earlier and see everybody talking to one another again. And, you know, it's, it's just really great. Last 18, 20 months haven't been the easiest journey for any of us. But I tell you what, it's amazing. When I've looked over this season... Just to see the resilience of God's people. To see the resilience of his church and the strength within God's people to continue irrespective of what's happening around them. It truly is a miracle. It really is. It truly is a wonder to behold the life of God in his church thriving in his church, growing and expanding. It's wonderful to see. And it's wonderful 
to come through such a difficult season still with our heads held high, still with praises in our mouth, still with joy in our heart, more determined to be everything that God has called us to be in this city and in this region, to serve our community and to give our lives for the kingdom of God. I tell you, there's nothing else to give your life to and for other than God's kingdom and his purpose. I tell you, I don't want to get caught up or stuck in anything else other than giving my life wholeheartedly to the cause of God's kingdom, his work in this earth and in this region. I tell you, when you come out of a season like we've been in and we're still coming out of it, but when you come out of a season like this, you become more focused you become more understanding in regards to life, its frailty, and the need to serve God while you're here in your allotted time. It really does refocus you. And it does truly really set you again with a fresh course, with a fresh determination and passion in your heart. I tell you, Jesus is so good. And let's come out of this strong. Let's come out of this running. Let's come out of this with our face set like a flint, like Jesus. Determined to do his will with our lives. Amen. 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 Well, today we're continuing in this series of messages that we started last week. The secret of success. And we said that all of us desire to be successful in life. All of us hold aspirations in our heart to do well, and that's a good thing. Not only do we hold aspirations and desires in our hearts to do well, but those who are close to us, we want them to do well. We want them to succeed. We want their lives to flourish also. And we said that God also wants us to succeed. It's not just something that we want for our lives. Added to this, at the back of this, God wants our lives to succeed. God wants our lives to flourish. Now, that might be a surprise to some people outside of this room, but God really does desire our lives to flourish and be fruitful. Behind all of his promises is this desire of God for us to succeed, to be fruitful, and to thrive in all areas of our lives. That's the motivation. That's the drive and the purpose in all of his promises to bless his people, to cause them to prosper, to cause them to flourish. And we see this from the many, many thousands of promises in God's word. We read promises like, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. If God is for you, who can be against you? My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, Paul said, that works within you. You go back into the Old Testament and you hear God's word to a, to a people 
that are struggling to understand their times because they're thousands of miles away from their homeland in exile in Babylon. And God sends a message out through his prophet Jeremiah to say this, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you hope, plans to give you great success and a future. Those are not words from a God that is trying to set you up to fail. They are not promises. They are not statements from a God that wants your demise or downfall. No, these are the promises from God's heart that wants to see you succeed. It brings great pleasure to God, great fulfillment and glory for God to see your life thrive, for God to see your life grow, for God to see your life do well and achieve all of those great aspirations that he's placed in your heart, brings God great pleasure. It it brings God great honor. It brings God glory. Jesus, we looked at this and I want to say it again as we just continue in this way this morning. Jesus did not come into the world saying, I have come that you might fail and fail in all of its fullness. No, he said, I've come. This is my purpose for which I have come, that you might have life. You might have life in all of its abundance. You might have life in all of its fullness. Rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being when I'm at the center, when I'm at the core of your life. You truly will have life that's glorious, the God life in you, coming out of you, flowing out of you in an endless abundance. No, God doesn't set up our lives to fail. God doesn't set up our lives to fall. God takes no pleasure in anybody's demise. God, at the heart of God and at the heart of all of his words that he's spoken to us is this desire that we succeed, this desire that we flourish, this desire that we are fruitful in all things. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 15, verse 7 to 8. He said, if, as the condition, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Great fruit, much fruit is God's desire for your life. Great fruit, much fruit is God's plan. Is God's purpose for you and I. He takes no pleasure in our failure. He takes no pleasure in our downfall. No, our fruitfulness in all of its abundance brings God glory. As we obey his word. As we make it a priority in our lives. Fruitfulness is a certain outcome. Now, what we started to look at last week is that the secret to success in life is found when we walk in the fear of the Lord. 
When you look right throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see this phrase, this theme, the fear of the Lord, over 250 times, I believe. This phrase is used in both New and Old Testament. And attached to this phrase is great success, great fruitfulness, great abundance. The fear of the Lord is unlike the spirit of fear that once enslaved us. The fear of the Lord is completely opposite to that spirit of fear that imprisons and binds and causes us to diminish in life leaving us oppressed and feeling captive. The fear of the Lord. Now, this might sound like a contradiction because all other fears outside of it can't do this. The fear of the Lord brings great joy. The fear of the Lord brings great happiness. The fear of the Lord brings great fruitfulness. And to fear the Lord simply means... Now, it doesn't get any harder than this. This is it in its essence. The fear of the Lord simply means that we reverence Him, that we give Him first place, that we acknowledge who He is. We can't put Him in our pocket like we put our keys in our pocket, like we've got a little key ring attached to our keys and we pull it out when we need our keys. God is not like that. We can't just pull him, pull him out when we need him and put him away when we don't want him. No, he's transcendent. And when we fear the Lord, we recognize that and we reverence him for who he is. We acknowledge his rightful place as creator over all of his creation. And understanding that, we obey his word. We obey his word. We honor his word. His word is like none other. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's settled in heaven forever. God is his word. And when we reverence him and when we obey him, we begin to walk and grow in the fear of the Lord. It's simply, and we'll see this, it's simply listening to him, learning from him, and obeying what he says. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 1. And in that chapter, you can read it when you go home, you see God's wisdom calling out. Loving wisdom, appealing wisdom, a wisdom that invites anybody and everyone, irrespective of where they come from, irrespective of where they are. Wisdom stops them in their course and on their journey and holds out its hand and offers its instruction, offers its guidance and correction. It's an incredible opening chapter to the whole book of Proverbs, Solomon's wisdom. Wisdom crying out on the streets. Wisdom crying out in the busyness of life. 
as it moves on by, crying out, calling for those passing by to listen, wanting to give guidance, instruction, and direction for living. But the fool passes by, convinced that his own foolish way is wiser than wisdom's voice. Now that is the essence of foolishness, to consider your own inner voice wiser than the voice of wisdom, wiser than the guidance of God's Word, wiser than the instruction and correction that God's Word brings. Foolish! The outcome of such a life is sad. The outcome of such a life is full of despair and destruction. Not because, now this is important, not because wisdom conspires the fool's downfall, because wisdom had gone out into life imploring the fool, wanting to help the fool to succeed. Wisdom doesn't conspire or plan the fool's downfall, but the destruction comes to the fool because that's where his foolishness leads him, on a path that wisdom did not want him to take. It's a sad picture. It's a sad picture that many of us see very often when we try to reach out to those that are around us, that, that refuse to entertain the love of God, appealing to them, inviting them, wanting to correct them, wanting to change them. God declares in His Word, on many fronts, this is the way, walk in it. And instead of us, not us here, but many people outside of this room, instead of people responding to that, oh, thank you, God, for showing me the way and instructing me to walk in that way, we turn around to God and say, who do you think you are? Who do you think that you are to say what you're saying regarding my life? I know the way that I need to go, foolish, foolish, and its destruction is certain. You read Proverbs 1, I'm telling you, if I wrote Proverbs 1, I would have made it a lot softer, a lot softer. You read Proverbs 1, you see the reality of the truth and the error of the fool and the destruction of ignoring wisdom, you think, my God, that's not necessarily a chapter that I would turn to if I was going to try and introduce somebody to God. But I'm telling you, it's the Word of God. You know it's the Word of God. It's certain. It's set. It is true. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And very often we see people all around us pursuing what's right to them. But the end, the end is sadness. The end is pain. The end is crisis after crisis. No. Wisdom invites. Wisdom implores. Wisdom wants to instruct, correct, guide, and lead on in life. The end of Proverbs 1. We see a final invitation from God. Again, it's a loving appeal and a loving assurance. 
Verse 33, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33 says this, but whosoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. God's not going to force anybody. God's not going to twist anybody's arm behind their back. He's given them a free will to choose. But if they will listen, see, it's listening. That's all it is. If they will listen and obey the instruction and the guidance that's given by God in his word and walk in the fear of the Lord, oh, the blessing is unimaginable. The blessing that is reserved for those who walk in the fear of the Lord is glorious. And we are those people. If you have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, placed your faith in him and given your life to follow him obediently, you are walking in the fear of the Lord. The blessing that is reserved for you, we're going to look at in a moment, is wonderful. And it's all God-given. Isaiah, talking about the fear of the Lord, said this, The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Isaiah 33, verse 6. He says this, He will be the sure foundation for your times. A storehouse of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. The fear of the Lord leads you to unimaginable wealth, unimaginable riches, unimaginable treasure is yours as you walk simply to listen and to obey and to revere who he is in your life as you live it. Now, this morning, for the remainder of our time, we're going to spend thinking about David's words in Psalm 112. We looked at this a little bit last week. But in this psalm, Psalm 112, David opens up the treasure chest that Isaiah speaks about. And he begins through this chapter Psalm 112, to display all of the treasure that's reserved for those who reverence the Lord and fear his name and put him first place in their lives. In this psalm, we see a life that's growing. We see a life that's fruitful. We see a life that is thriving and prospering as God is given first place as God is at the center. David shows us wonderful promises, wonderful assurances of security that is given to those who fear the Lord. Firstly, in Psalm 112, David shows us that those who fear the Lord will be free from oppression. Free from oppression. This he points out in his opening verse. Verse 1 of Psalm 112 says this. Praise the Lord. How joyful, prosperous, and favored in all things are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. 
Joy is the outcome of fearing the Lord. You see, this fear of the Lord sets us free from every other fear. Why? Because we see or we begin to see and we grow in our understanding of who God is and how our lives can flourish and thrive under his loving care. We get a correct perspective about life and how to live life. Joy is the reward of those who fear the Lord. Oppression can try to attack you. Oppression can try to hold you back from the outside, but it cannot determine or quench or crush the joy of the Lord within you as you walk with Him. That joy isn't turned on or turned off by any external circumstance in your life. It's the fruit of fearing the Lord. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You, like I, know that life can be full of inconsistencies, full of ups, full of downs. You don't know necessarily one day from the next. It can be inconsistent. But the one consistent thing in our lives as we place our trust and our faith in God, as we walk before Him every moment of every day, is that we are blessed with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your portion. The joy of the Lord enables you to praise him. Like David said, I will bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That's a, a man that has joy in his heart, irrespective of what's happening around him. We live in this place of joy. We walk under God's pleasure and God's favor. We are blessed. We're free from any oppressive circumstance, free from any oppressive voice, free from any oppressive situation that might suddenly arise in our lives. We are free. Why? Because of the joy of the Lord within us. It's our portion because we walk in reverence of who he is. Then secondly, David not only assures us that we will be free from oppression, he also shows us that the fruit of fearing the Lord guarantees our children's success. We are free from failure. They are free from failure. Have you ever worried about your children? Worried about your children's future? In verse 2, David declares, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. All kinds of pressures face our children. Pressures of many kinds that try to prey up upon them. And as parents... We get concerned. As parents, our hearts are heavy and our minds 
wonder what's going to happen and where their lives are going to go. Sometimes with all of the news and all of the, the broadcasts and all of the statistics that paint a terrible picture, as a parent, you can get left feeling as if you've got to try and contain and control everything around them. But no, we look to what God has said as those who re revere him, as those who fear him. We look to his promises. We look to his words. We don't listen to all of the negative broadcasts and statistics about life and about the, the future. No, we place our faith and our trust in what God has said in his word. And his word tells us that our children will be successful everywhere. Great success. I say it unapologetically from the Word of God. Great success awaits the future of our children, awaits the youth. Great success. Opportunities will be afforded them that will bring great blessing on their lives and on their homes. Why? Because we fear the Lord. It's a blessing that God guarantees. It's a blessing that God is willing to back with his own power, with his own presence, with his own life. This is the blessing of those who fear the Lord. This is the treasure of those who fear the Lord. And the promise of God will bring it about. Oh, it may look as if their course strays. It may look as if they've abandoned the path that God had set out for them. But just wait a while. Just wait a while. Even the words coming out of their mouth may seem contrary to the truth that you've taught them. But just wait a while. God will make them successful. And the greatest, you know, the greatest success that, that they can experience in life is not dollars in the bank. No. The greatest success is in that saving moment where Christ comes into their heart and they embrace him by simple faith. Great success awaits our children, and it'll meet them along the way. Their future is not full of disappointment. It's not full of shattered dreams and deferred hope. No, no. They're not going to be another statistic. They're going to be strong. We believe that. We've got every right to believe that and proclaim that. Amen? Free from oppression, David says. Free. Free from failure. And then thirdly, he continues. David says that those who fear the Lord are free from poverty. Listen to how he speaks in verse 3. They themselves, now this is talking about you and I, 
and everybody else in Christ Jesus. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Do you see yourself as wealthy? Sometimes I haven't. Lots of times probably I haven't. I've seen myself impoverished. I've seen myself broken. I've seen myself incomplete. But sometimes we've got to rethink and readjust our minds according to the Word of God. They themselves will be wealthy. Now, it's not saying that we're all going to be multimillionaires. Wealth is far more than the material things that this world goes after. Wealthy within ourselves, a wealthy mind, a wealthy soul, a wealthy heart, a wealthy life that is enriched by God, that enriches others around it. You are loaded with blessing. You are loaded with wealth because you fear the Lord. It's the outcome of reverence in in Him, giving Him first place and simply obeying His word. Wealthy. David is telling us here that the fear of the Lord never depletes your life. It doesn't diminish your worth in life. Far from it. It enriches you with wealth beyond measure. Spirit of fear impoverishes you. A spirit of fear erodes the precious gift of life that God has given you. That old fear robs and destroys and strips everything that is good. Stand up to it, child of God. Put it in its place. That's not your portion. You've been set free. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. That's wealth right there. Right there. Love, power, and a sound mind. You are wealthy. Wealthy in God. Wealth in all of its forms are ours. From fearing the Lord, we never suffer loss. We never. Have to live a life of beggarly existence. Because God is our portion. God is our treasure. He's the treasure, you see. Fourthly, David goes on and he proclaims that the fear of the Lord sets us free from obscurity. Verse 4, he declares, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Now that statement there, light shines in the darkness for the godly, that might not mean much to you until you go through a dark time. You can just pass it by. You can just read it and think, well, doesn't seem very much. You go through a dark time, you go through a dark season, And you really do appreciate light. You really do. 
Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Our lives are never going to be shrouded by darkness because light shines on the path of the godly. Light shines wherever we go. You can face trials of many kinds. You can be in a deep valley or in a dark pit, but light shines. You'll walk on through every trial, every difficulty, every situation that tries to close you in. You'll walk on through and sometimes to the amazement of everybody around you and crisis will 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 overcome you and everybody else will be scratching their head around you thinking you're going under and they'll be wondering why you can continue walking in the way that you do the answer is here light shines on the godly You're never going to be shrouded by darkness. You're never going to be defeated by darkness. You're never going to be overcome. No, there's light on your path. And it doesn't matter what circumstance faces us. It doesn't matter what trial that we go through. Circumstance cannot turn the light off when God's turned it on. When God is shining on your path, child of God, you just walk on through that valley. You just get up out of that pit and walk in the way that he is directing you to walk in. Jesus is our light. Listen to his promise to us. John chapter 8. John 8 verse 12 says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How many followers of Jesus have we got in this place? How many followers of Jesus? We recognize that he is the light of life, and we just simply follow him. We really do. You know, lots of times I go up on the mountain riding on my bike, And sometimes in the middle of the night, riding over the mountain, and you go down into the valleys through the forest. And on occasions, it's happened a number of times, my light, the battery runs out on my light. And suddenly my light goes off. And in those valleys and in those forests, there is no light. Suddenly, a narrow trail is, is, it just completely goes from in front of you. And you're engulfed in darkness, unable to know what to do, what direction to take. That's why I always carry a spare set of batteries. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, it's wisdom. It really is. It really is. It's caught me a number of times. Spare set of batteries, go in my little pack, put the the new batteries in, and, and... that little torch comes on again. It's only a little torch on my handlebars, but it, it cuts through the dark. It shows me the way. And I can get up out of that deep valley. I can go through that darkness on my merry way all the way home and jump into bed, nice warm bed next to Faye, cutch up to her and go to sleep. Why? Because the light shines. 
The light shines. The light takes me through that darkness. The light takes me on. Now, if I had to devise a plan without any light in the midst of that darkness, I'd be in a hopeless state. But the light takes me through the darkness and leads me on home. Darkness of circumstance. Darkness of trial. No matter how big, no matter how intimidating it might be today, you feel the presence of that darkness in your emotions. And I know, like you know, because I've felt it too. Cold sweats in the middle of the night, crying tears in the car. We've all been there, friends. We all know by experience that this darkness is very real and David acknowledges it. But he draws our attention away from the darkness and he focuses it on the light. The light is going to get you through that circumstance. The light is going to take you through every dark day. The light is going to lead you on into all of the fullness that God has planned for you. And there may be many around you scratching their head, wondering how you can do it. Well, you didn't do a thing. You just followed the light. You followed the light. You followed him through that valley. You followed him out of that dark pit. And he's leading you on. Nothing to fear. This is the, this is the blessing of those who fear the Lord. This is your treasure. Light. Light. Free from obscurity. Free from shrouding darkness you make your way through and make your way in God's plan for your life next as a fifth point David assures us that the fear of the Lord frees us from loss he says this verse 5 good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly The picture here is of a person just going about their life helping others. Helping others. Jesus just wasn't a great miracle worker and a magnificent preacher and teacher of God's word. He was God's word and is God's word in flesh. But you know what? He wasn't just this spectacular person that everybody admired as he walked through this world. There's a wonderful verse in Acts 10, 38 that says this. Oh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good. Yes, he healed the sick. Yes, he cast out devils. Yes, he did incredible miracles. But Luke, as he remembers Jesus, and as he writes that book of Acts, he said, you know what? He did all of those glorious things, but even the simple things he did well. He went about doing good to others, enriching them, blessing them, being kind. And this is the picture that David presents here of a person that helps others. It's a picture of a person that doesn't use other people's needs as an opportunity it's a person that goes out into life to help others that doesn't use their weakness as a means of opportunity to profit from their poverty they conduct their life and their actions with people well 
good, David says, will always come to such a person. Still thinking about this person, David tells us that such a person will be free from trouble. Verse 6, he says, such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. When we go out into life with a genuine heart and desire just to help other people, when we see them struggling, when we see them in difficulty, good is our portion and we do not have to fear trouble. We'll not be overcome by evil. That's what David says. And that word evil simply means the breaking up and the breaking down of all that is good. You will never have to fear evil. Breaking up the good in your life, the good in your home, the good that God has enriched you with. Why? Because your life is blessing others. Such evil will not overcome you. And David here pictures a person that not only reverences God, but greatly respects the people around him. You see, your reverential fear of God is not only a wonderful respect and relationship that you have with God, but the outflow of it is that you begin to respect everybody else that God's created. You begin to honor and respect everybody else around you, around you with your words, with your actions. This is the fruit of it. David assures us that this type of life will be remembered for a long time. Then he goes on, tells us, coming to a close here, that when we fear the Lord, we will be free from calamity. Verse 7. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Have you ever been waiting for news? Maybe news from the doctor, serious. You know? News from a test. News. You're awaiting it. And you're kind of 50-50. It might be good news but I'm leaning towards it being bad news because, and you've got this big long list as to why it might be bad news. David said, those who fear the Lord, they do not fear bad news. They have a confidence in their life whereby they cast all of their cares. They surrender all of their fears. They give all of their concerns and worries about tomorrow into trusting the Lord in relation to their future and how it's going to work out. He's in control of the news. He's in control of all of the, all of the things that visit my life. I'm not going to fear bad news. I'm not going to fear. I'm free from the fear of any kind of calamity. Why? Because I'm trusting him. 
This is where my reverential fear of him has brought me. It's brought me not to being suspicious of God and bound and imprisoned. No, it's actually freed me to understand who God is in respect to my life. And therefore, I live in confidence, not fearing bad news. And then, as a final point, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to close in a moment. What a great first service we've had together. Hey, absolutely wonderful. As we close, the final point that David makes in this psalm about those who fear the Lord is this. We'll be free from defeat. Free from defeat. They are confident, he says in verse 8, and fearless, and can face their foes triumphantly. That spirit of fear isn't going to cause us to cower away. It's not part of our life anymore. The fear of the Lord frees us from a sense of defeat. We can go out into life knowing that the Lord is on our side, we can go out into life, not perfect, with many flaws, but knowing that God is for us, knowing that there is victory ahead of us and triumph, that we've been called to reign and to triumph in life, free from defeat. Any circumstantial foe that would come against us, we will look at in triumph. Any situation that would seek to bring us down. Oh, we may have to wait a time. We may have to be patient. But as we walk this journey with the Lord, place our trust in Him, place our confidence in Him, look to Him. We look back and see great, great victory over anything that's tried to bring about our downfall. You're free, church. You're free from oppression. You're free from failure. You're free from poverty. You're free from obscurity. You're free from loss, from trouble, from calamity, and free from defeat. Why? Because you walk under the pleasure of the Lord. Because you re revere who He is. You listen to what He said. And you are determined, come hell or high water, to live in obedience to it. Great is the fruit of our lives. Great is the blessing and the portion of those who fear the Lord. I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer from David's heart. From Psalm 86, verse 11, David said this when speaking to the Lord, and I'm sure it's our heart too in this place. He said, teach me your ways, O Lord. Why? Because naturally we don't know them. And I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Now remember, he's not talking about 
trembling and cowering and no he's talking about reverentially respecting God for who he is in his heart so that he will walk well in life we're going to pray that right now father as your people today we thank you Jesus that you've saved us from our sin we thank you Jesus that you came to us, you rescued us, you delivered us from darkness, and you've made us your very own. We recognize that. And Lord, as we grow and continually grow in our understanding of that, we're amazed by your wonderful love. We're amazed at how you've reached in. We're amazed at how, Jesus, you died on the cross and suffered and was crucified for us so that we might live forever with you. Lord, I pray that you would teach us your ways, that we would walk in your truth, that you would unite our hearts to fear your name, to rightly understand and appropriate your word to our lives and the way that we live. We thank you for the endless blessings that you give to us as your people that we do not fear oppression, we do not fear failure, we do not fear poverty, obscurity, loss, trouble of any kind, calamity, or defeat. But as your people, we can be confident in you as we place our trust in you. This is our portion. And as we go from this place, I pray that each and every one of us would know the presence of your Holy Spirit that enables us to walk in this rich blessing that you have given to us in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Come on.